This time on Poll Hub, legal weed is so common across so much of the country that it's easy to forget marijuana is still illegal to purchase, grow, or use in most cases under federal law. States have moved very quickly to undo that, but in doing so, are they conducting a giant real-time test on the health impacts of pot? We're gonna take a look at the data. Then we're turning our focus on the team that has produced most of what you've heard here in Poll Hub over the last four months, our trio of student producers. We're gonna ask them about research that they found that cuts pretty close to their homes. Let's call this segment Gen Z on Gen Z. And we end with what Barb calls the most important of the five food groups. Didn't know there were five? There are, and that one is ice cream. <laughs> oh, mm, sounds good, let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. I'm Barbara Carvalho. And I am Lee Maringoff. Well, in the last couple of years, a lot of states have made marijuana legal for use, at least in some cases, either recreational or for medical use. In fact, uh, here in New York, um, we made it legal for recreational sale just two years ago, uh, about this time uh, in 2021. But this is an issue that has really changed in term in the in the court of public opinion. When Gallup first asked about legalizing marijuana in 1969, and Lee, I'm sure you remember that. He was that in the library. Well. Yes. So so, so <laughs> he's been telling us. Um, but 12 percent of Americans uh, were in favor of legalizing marijuana, a pretty making it a pretty fringe issue. But support grew um, for this uh, for this particular issue. And in 2000, it was up to 31%, still marginal. But then all of a sudden, it really seemed to have a meteoric rise, um, surpassing majority level um, in 2013. And now nearly 7 in 10 adults, 68% of adults in the latest uh, Gallup poll say marijuana should be legal. And I might just point out that um, as Gallup has asked this question over time, um, it has been, you know, legal, not legal. Um, and I think that um, over, you know, as this has become more part of the public discussion, we have looked at uh, measuring this question uh, and differentiating between it being legal overall and legal between recreational and, and medical use. But some recent studies have also shown uh, that the health effects of marijuana may be harmful. We've seen uh, smoking uh, marijuana linked to uh, higher asthma rates. Uh, edibles may lead to people accidentally consuming it, especially kids, which is uh, which is always a worry. And then there's been a question about when people should um, should begin using marijuana and whether there is an impact, a negative impact, that is, uh, on young people later on, particularly uh, with memory and uh, cognitive ability. But we do have 21 states, I believe is now, have le legalized uh, recreational use, and nearly all states uh, now allow at least some limited medical use. So guys, real tough question though, what's next? Um, after over, you know, we've had over 50 years now um, from fringe issue to significant support for legalization, but is it time to take a pause and is there public support for that? I think what's so fascinating about this is the journey. Um, so, you know, again, and it, like you point out, very few people favored legalization at a time when it was kind of blowing up into American culture with the baby boomers, you know, smoking a little bit of grass and, you know, that kind of thing. 
And it slowly built, but there were, I mean, I think you could ask, we did ask, and people asked in 2000. Yeah, did ask. It was about a third. Yes, exactly. And there was just, it was not something that, that seemed likely to happen. And then it just blew up and all of a sudden it's legal everywhere. What's so interesting about that journey to me, though, is that because it was illegal and, uh, and still is federally illegal and treated as uh, by some in the culture as a very dangerous drug, there was almost no research into it. And so we've rushed ahead to legalize it, but we, we know very little about it considering how long uh, it's been around and how long it's been used by various cultures and subcultures within our culture. And so I think that's what's the most interesting thing about this is we're doing a, a real-time experiment in a substance that, like alcohol, is probably not, you know, it's certainly not terribly harmful as a drug like heroin might be, but it's certainly not benign like a glass of water is. And we're doing real-time research on huge populations uh, to figure out where it fits in that kind of spectrum. Yeah, the 12% uh in the time when I was in college, obviously that survey was a nationally representative survey, not one of my dormitory, where 12% probably did not, and the and the other 88% were were missing classes on a regular basis. Um, but that's a long time ago. I I think to Jay's point, um, you know, there is probably a need for a evaluation here of uh, of of the issues that you're raising. Uh, we have moved very quickly in recent years. Uh, the extent of usage is still not clear. Um, and certainly the impact. I mean, I know just in, from being very old school in this, you know, I worry about people, you know, drinking and driving. And I also worry about what people are, uh, you know, how much control they have, uh, you know, having, you know, you know, use marijuana and then gotten into a car, or whatever. I just think that some of this requires a, a responsibility and maturity um, uh, as to potential consequences, uh, be it medical or just uh, you know behavioral. You know, I think it, I think it's really interesting. We have um, we have uh, opinion here uh, reaching nearly seven in ten Americans, but it does um, it does kind of hide the point that there is a lot of disagreement. Um, about legalization of of marijuana, especially for recreational use, and we see we see a similar divide that we see in a similar polarization that we see um, in our politics, in that um, people who identify as more liberal, people who identify as Democrats, uh, younger people, uh, they tend to be more open, significantly so, to the legalization of marijuana. Where, um, as uh, you've kind of pointed to, Lee, people who uh, are older, uh, perhaps more conservative. And one of the things that I think Gallup has found is that religiosity, the likelihood that uh, you you attend religious services um, and you consider yourself to be a religious person to be linked at, at this as well, is that likely to cause the same kinds of um, polarization as perhaps when as as some of the other issues that we are we are looking at and debating in our polity um, when legislators attempt to create regulations and laws uh for the use of of marijuana yeah i think it's interesting the age thing in particular that you bring up because well there is some political difference i it surprised me when i looked at this that re lean republican and republican in the pew poll 
Um, 45% favored legal and medical recreational use. I would not have thought that Republican and lean Republican, 45% of them would have thought that. Um, and then this huge age discrepancy, nearly three quarters of 18 to 29 for medical and recreational use, another 20% for medical only. I mean, basically everybody is 18 to 29. I, I think that the this gets to our age and politics issue, is that we have a lot of old folks in politics, especially in the national level, and not as many at the state level. And maybe that's what's happening, is that we're seeing the states being the, the laboratory for democracy, in this case, for you know marijuana legalization. And so in a state like Colorado or Washington or California, where the legislature is significantly younger than our Congress is, uh, you see changes, whereas in Congress, there's no real, real move towards some federal uh, you know, decriminalization. There's been a lot of talk about it for a long time, but there's no real movement towards that. Um, and I think that as we think about these things Barbara, that you're talking about, like re-regulation or maybe not re-regulation, but doing the kinds of things we do with alcohol, you know, uh, stiffening the, the rules around what a legal limit of blood alcohol limit is for driving and these kinds of things, kind of the, I would consider to be the kind of regular kinds of things that people would think about with with a mind-altering substance, some of the limitations that you might want to put in place. I imagine that at the state level, we're going to see some of that, um, you know, and, and at the federal level, we'll continue to see this blanket, nope, it's illegal in all cases, um, because, I think, because of this age difference in who it makes up these bodies. Yeah, well, proje projections going forward is that, uh, you know, certainly um, according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, around 50 million people have used marijuana, at least as of 2020. Uh, that may have, uh, I suspect, increased during the, the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and uh, the projections are that it is likely to increase as, as we are going forward. So certainly something uh, that will be uh, coming up in our political discussions. So over the last few months, you have heard from some of the students that uh, help us with this podcast, uh, producing it, producing the segments. And there's a segment that they had come up with um, about Gen Z. The question is, does Gen Z have it harder? They found really interesting, uh, some, some research about this. And we thought, you know, why not have Lee and Barb and me, because we're so close to Gen Z, we'll just talk about it. Then we thought better of it. So. Athan Hollis, the producer of the show, Eve Fisher, and Emily DuPont, not DuPont, uh, are the students who have been helping us, not just helping, you really do this show, and you make us sound good. Uh, and you guys are all Gen Z, so we wanted to have you on in this segment to uh, help us figure out whether this research really uh, is accurate or not. So welcome to the other side of the microphone, guys. Oh, thank you. So um, according to some Pew research that you guys dug up, uh, about seven in 10 Americans think that young people today have it harder than their parents. When it comes to saving for the future, 72% said harder. Paying for college, 71% said it's harder for you guys. And buying a home, 77, 70% said that it's harder. Uh, and that Gen Z are more likely than previous generations to take on student debt and face the affordable housing crisis uh, difficulty in finding housing. What do you think of that? Uh, Athan, let's start with you. You you are actually the junior here, right? We've got two seniors. So you have another year before you're out in the work world. But what do you think about this? Do you feel these things? Um, I would say I definitely feel them. I don't know if necessarily Gen Z has it 
like worse, but I definitely think it's not easy. Um, I know in childhood, we went through a recession in 2008, like 2009, and during COVID went through another one. So I think definitely the economy when we've been growing up and when we're going into the workforce is not easy. And I think now more than ever is when students are taking on student debt. I mean, college is not getting cheaper at all. So I think it's definitely more challenging to finance your education when you need that for a job. So I definitely think it's getting tougher to not take out loans and to get a job when you get out of college. Emily, you're about to face that work world. Is it going to be tougher for you than your parents, you think? Um, well, I think for our parents, it was a little different because you didn't necessarily need a degree to get a job. But now I think it's a lot different because that one piece of paper can increase your salary a lot more than someone that doesn't have that piece of paper. Um, but I especially think with debt and loans and now graduating, I think I definitely have it harder than my parents did. <laughs> And Eve, you also are graduating. Um, do you uh, think that that your what you face is harder than what your parents have faced? At, for instance, at this point in their lives, I, I do think in a way, and it's it's a little different because uh, I think a lot more jobs have more qualifications for degrees, and there's even some jobs um, that I've noticed in my mom's career that uh, have started to just begin requiring those things. So there's a lot of jobs that like people who didn't have degrees before have to um, either get a degree or change their career because they have to have a, a degree to be able to do the jobs that they were doing before, which wasn't a requirement in initially. And I think that um, because um, having a degree is so much more important now, it is kind of a requirement to get into school debt if you don't have uh, the resources of someone to pay for it. So in, in a sense, we are kind of set back just initially with the student debt and being able to find a job as soon as possible to pay off student debt. One of the other things you guys found, and, and who who um, did this segment? Which one of you produced this or you know researched this segment? Athen? Yeah. So you found this, I found this interesting too, and this is a little more, I guess it's not more personal, it's a little bit different. 81% of Gen Z, which is age 13 to 24, so you know, you guys are Gen Z, I think, said they frequently or sometimes experience stress and pandemic-related issues are the main source of the stress. 46% of Gen Z said the pandemic made it more difficult to pursue an education or career goals. Um, and the class of 2020 graduated into a pretty dismal economy. Um, that's the last, you know, the last time that, that we, when we were interviewing, when Pew was interviewing these folks. But do you, do you feel that? Do you feel like more stressed and and, and, and it's different again for you than your parents' generation? I think it was more with the pandemic, more social anxiety that was brought on because you're so used to being on screen and even in class presenting that way and talking to other people that way, that when we came back to in-person, it was kind of like a new adjustment, even though we had that in the past, but it was just having to talk to people again in person, having to stand up in front of a class again in person. I think it was definitely a big adjustment for a lot of students. Eve, Beth? I agree. I think that um, a lot of people got used to being alone and being kind of isolated. And a lot of people 
didn't really know how to get integrated back in in the classroom. And I noticed like when I was going to class and we were doing half online and half in person, I didn't talk to any of my classmates. None of my classmates talked to each other. We all were just kind of in there and out of there. And group projects were a, a, a few texts in between uh, all the group members, but no one met in person, barely even over Zoom. And I think that this year is the first year that I really started to notice a difference between people talking again. And I think I'm seeing people more comfortable with themselves and more like making the environment their own, which I did not see at all during the pandemic when everyone was wearing masks and no one was talking to each other. And Nathan, you're kind of the class of COVID. You came in as a freshman in the COVID year, right? Yeah, I graduated in 2020 and I started freshman year in 2020. I would say COVID completely changed maybe not my career goals, but my college goals for sure. Um, I don't know if I would have ended up where I ended up or chose the things that I did if it wasn't for COVID. It definitely made me think about how close I want to be to home, how close I want to be to family, what school I want to go to, depending on like their COVID rules. Definitely that was like, that was why I chose the college that I did and why I went to the like program I did. So I think the pandemic definitely adjusted what I wanted to do. And then it definitely changed the first part of my college career. Uh, you found one other thing in researching a segment. I want to hit on this be before we go. Uh, and it's from a uh, paper published in the Journal of Social Sciences and Medicine. And it looked at um, uh, kids in, in America, but also in Great Britain and Australia, New Zealand. <clears throat> and it looked at their drug and alcohol use, but also their kind of uh, I guess the the chances that they take, the social chances they take, their uh, rebelliousness, all of this kind of thing, and found that Gen Z is much less likely uh, than earlier generations to be like that. You wrote in here as one of your bullet points, it could be because there's no margin for error for this generation. With social media's watchful eye always on them, being you guys, could it be you're forced to grow up quicker? Do, do, do you wrote that? Do you think that's true? Um, I do. I know for me, like I'm going into political science and if I like ever want to have like a career in the public, I have to watch like what I put out on social media and like definitely watch like how much I put out. So I think definitely I, I live with education majors and they had to sign something when they got to college saying that they wouldn't post certain things for their careers. So I think definitely it changes like how you think about things and how many risks you want to take. Eve, what do you think about that? I, I, I agree. I think that social media has made a huge impact on the way that people act in their daily life. And for me, I think it's funny. I'm actually going into uh, advertising after I graduate and I always, uh, my parents always laugh at me because <clears throat> I usually hate social media and I don't like um, uh, being a part of like all the the posts and stuff like that. So my friends always make fun of me for uh, not liking social media, but wanting to be in a career for it. Um, and I think that it is interesting that social media puts an added pressure on people to look a certain way and to present a, cer a certain uh, face to the world. And I think that people are constantly going on social media and thinking about how other people are showing themselves and comparing it to the way that they show themselves. And I think that a lot of the times it makes people insecure about like what they are putting out into the world and what face they are putting on. And it's just a constant thing that people are thinking about and getting anxiety about. 
And it's not really something that people had to worry about before social media. Emily, we'll give you the last word. Do you think that you are, or your generation, I don't want to be just about you, uh, are less likely to be rebellious and to take chances than uh, your parents' generation? Um, I definitely think because of social media and like you said, everyone having an eye on you and that kind of thing, once you put something out, there's a permanent record of it. Even if you take it down, it's still there forever. So I think people are very cautious about that. Even when applying for jobs, they can look you up and find basically any social media platform you're on. So I think we are a little cautious, more cautious than our parents were. Well, Emily and Eve and Athen, thank you so much for uh, one, uh, writing and researching this segment and then starring in the segment too. You make it very easy for us to do the uh, podcast and uh, stick around for the, the for the fun factor. Um, I think this will be one that we'll all want to be involved in. Okay, fun fact time. And we're going to see if there is a generational difference in this, having just gone through a very interesting discussion. This, however, is a poll conducted by CBS News in 2017 which does come to a topic near and dear to several of our hearts, I know right off the top. Do you prefer to eat ice cream out of a dish or out of a cone? Dish, cone. Dish, nationally, 59%. Cone, 31%. 7%, a totally misguided group in the population, say they never eat ice cream. And 3% said they're not sure, I guess, or no answer. They could go either way. I'm not sure which way that is. However... Dish or cone? They probably, they probably eat it directly out of the container. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're spooning. Yeah, that should have been, that that should have been, been an option. That should have been an option, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there, there, was, there was an assumption here that people yeah. actually serve themselves. <laughs> and how, large is, thing is. how large a spoon do you use uh, in, the, in a gallon container? Okay, dish, cone. I'll start out by saying waffle cone, no comparison, dish, Although you can get sprinkles and, you know, the syrup on top and other things a little easier than a cone. Cone, uh, definitely far superior. I'm going to turn right to Barb Rose, probably our major ice cream uh, consumer here. Barb, what were you on this? Absolutely shocked. How can you? I mean, yeah, you eat ice cream out of a dish if you have to, but absolutely a cone and waffle cone. I second that. And 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 your canines do they prefer a dish or a cone? They actually would eat both. And you know what? What I have gotten them, what I have gotten them in the, in the past, are those cones in the shape of dishes. Oh. So you can have both your dish and eat it and eat it too, as it were. Yes. yes. Okay, Jada Dapper, what what do you got here? I know you're not one known for noshing. I think I'm, I mean, I think I'm a, a dish person. Now I, I don't eat, I can't eat ice cream because of lactose, you know, but I do eat uh, sorbets and stuff, but I'm a dish person. I think that may come from the fact that when I was in high school, I worked at Baskin Robbins and um, I broke a lot of cones. We all broke a lot of cones, <laughs> putting hard ice cream on cones. So Is I think that that's- intentional or- uh... No, they just, they break, they break because the ice cream's hard because you got to keep it super cold and frozen. So oh. that was, that's me. Did, you get, pe- did no. you get penalized for breaking those cones? No, no, no. You actually grind them up and use them as, as a crust in a mud pie or something. I can't remember what This we may be them. too much information from uh, inside the uh, inside the freezer. Uh, Mary Griffith, let's uh, take a shot from Queens here. Cone, hands down cone. Um, and I love waffle cones, but I also love sugar cones. Mm-hmm. And when the ice cream truck come, come goes by, at least when I was a kid, there was the two, the double cone. So you could have t- the two swirls of ice cream and my boys now order that. 
uh, for better or for worse. So Cone, all around. Okay, very good. Casey, where are you on this? As the resident overthinker of these poll questions, <laughs> um, I think this needs to be two questions because it's like, do you prefer to eat it in a cone out? But at home, I am not whipping out the cone. I am grabbing oh. the nearest dish and getting that ice cream as quickly as possible. But out ordering wow. ice cream, wow. it's always a cone. Or wow. there's also the tub option. Just grab the spoon. <laughs> well, this, is, this is why survey question writing is not is. Easy There's as... actually an ice cream shop near me called Stewart's that used to sell koozies for pints of ice cream oh. because they knew their audience. <laughs> and it comes with a, a any kind of anti-cholesterol medication. Now we've heard just recently from uh, from our, our younger generation uh, on on more serious topics. Although I'm not sure eating ice cream is not a serious topic. Uh, any one of the three of you, Athens, Eve, Dupont, as I like to say, anybody want to answer? Um, I would have to say dish. I think I get too stressed oh. with a cone. I end up oh. like wearing it rather than like getting to eat it. I don't think I eat ice cream like quick enough for the cone. But I will say in the summertime, a good waffle want- cone. I used to work at an ice cream store that had chocolate dipped waffle cone. Oh, so that's a whole. Other I can go both ways. That's a whole other <laughs> other very issue. Very good. I mean, very to good. get back to Casey, we have to ask also maybe not only the the at home or away, but also what month of the year this is, because that may you've introduced yet another distinguishing quality, Eve. Uh, like Athen, I am also a fellow slow eater, and I prefer the ease of a cup to eat it, but I also like having a cake cone, so I make what I call ice cream salads, and I crush the yes. cone and put it in the ice cream in a dish, so then I can have the ease of eating in a dish, and I don't have to rush my experience, but then I also get the crunch of the cone. Barb, what do you think? That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm there. Thank you, Eve. And that's my kind of salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you've got a good point there. So, so Emily, you've got a lot to 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 beat there. Two questions in a row. You get to be the last word, uh, Emily. So, um, so I think I am a cone person, but strictly waffle cone. No sugar cones allowed. And if there's no waffle cone, then I go for the dish. Wow. Well, wow. There's a lot, That's a lot serious. in here. That's very uh, serious. Know, no one is here a willing volunteer to never eat ice cream just as a, some, you know, as, as a choice of life uh, anyway. And we are um, all shaking our heads. <laughs> no, that is exactly the case. But uh, yeah, we will we'll see what this summer brings. Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is produced by the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Poll Hub team includes Ethan Hollis and Eve Fisher. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other listeners like you find us. If you have questions for us, tweet them at us at Marist Poll. Remember, you can always tell your smart speaker to play Poll Hub and with any luck, it'll cooperate. Finally, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcast app as soon as it's released. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.